From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more Corner Pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunter Vandy and Corey Clark. fishing for your today. We drunk in Tampa Bay. And we gonna hit a lick. We getting rich today. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, your new quarterback, DJ Uwe Ungalale. Come sit on the couch. Let us psychoanalyze everything you said the other day. Basketball, baseball, softball. We're talking all of it. Today's show, let's go. Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com, the website, 2475 Appalachie Parkway. Lunch special on a Friday. You already know everybody. You know, but in case you don't, if you're one of those that don't know, one of the maybe the ones that aren't the real ones. Chicken strip basket, kids. Hand-breaded. Served with a dipping sauce or tossed in a sauce if you're choosing. Only $8.99. Also comes with a side dish of your choice. Can't go wrong. Corner pocket bar and grill. We think there's probably great live entertainment this weekend, Corey and I. Um, mm-hmm. But if there isn't, it's corner pocket. So it's still going to be going off. Go hang out. Throw some darts. Shoot some pool. Drink some cold beverages. Eat some delicious food. You can do all that in one place, one roof, corner pocket bar and grill. You can get everything you need to know about Florida State sports at one place. Uh, it's called warchant.com. It's the ultimate settled sports source. Hit the thumbs up. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate those little things in life. I also appreciate just knowing that Corey's here doing the show. Feeling good, though, right? Corey, that, that's the most important thing here. You're, you're well, I hope. Yes? Of course, Aslan. Of course. Feeling great. Feeling great. Um, I, and you know what? I appreciate you asking. How are you doing? All the way down there in Clearwater, yeah, watching the man, Lady Ma- Knowles softball team. Yeah, but Mom's house, man. Um, Ma's, it was cool. We're, we're doing softball this week. We'll talk about that later on the program. But, yeah, shout-out to Coach Alameda and the ladies, taking out number 9 Stanford. And uh, Nigeri Kennedy, who's like the ace for Stanford, if you remember. She was the one that was giving mm-hmm. Oklahoma fits in, Tol- or in Oklahoma City last year. So uh, they chased her off the, the freaking circle. So get some. UCLA, 1 p.m. on Friday. You're next. Um, it'll be great. It'll be great. So, yeah. Hey, let's talk about a little bit of football. I got a lot of stuff I want to talk about, Corey, but let's let's talk about okay. the DJ Uwe Ungalale interview because we didn't get to catch up and talk about it and it also happened after headlines. So, I don't know. I think it was uh, – I think you were tasked with writing a story about uh, DJ and uh, the, his comments about just how important it was for him to be at Florida State and uh, the reasons he chose it. You know, this is all we have to go off on right now. We haven't seen him throw a football or anything. But, you know, give me your thoughts, I guess, on maybe, I don't know, it's so much the words he said or just the, the tone of his words. Where do you think he is right now as a as a college quarterback? Is this a guy that's been through it all, seen it all, and, and is ready to, to take the next step? Or do you feel this is a kid that just, um, you know, is, he's taken so many so many blows, so many hits that, um, you know, not figurative, or figuratively, not literally, that, you know, um, he just—he seems to want it so bad. I just wonder if that's coming—if that came across as a good thing to some people, or maybe just a kid that knows maybe he won't ever be able to live up to all the stuff that he wants. Really, really big, deep projections by Aslan, your boy, right now. Yeah, nice man, nice. I like it. Um, and hey, we encourage everyone to go watch that video. That's uh, you know, War Chant on YouTube. Go if you're not subscribed, you're a dumb dumb, and we know you're not a dumb dumb because you're listening to this podcast. So Correct. you're obviously subscribed. So uh, go watch it. Um. Yeah, man, I thought he was uh, – he said everything you would want him to say. Um, he he comes across as a guy – and I, I think this is the case with a lot of dudes that have been five-star, super-duper quarterbacks and have started at the Division One level. He comes across very, very mature. Number one, I don't know, man, he's probably 23 or 24 years old, probably 23 years old. He's played a ton of football. He's been in the limelight really since 2020, right? Wasn't he a freshman starting yep. at Notre Dame? Uh, in, in 2020, so he, he's been doing this for four to five years now. He has been a big deal and a big star uh, for four to five years, and he just comes across like that. Like, he's just very polished, very mature, all the right answers. And, um, yeah, I, I just think he will be a very, very good ambassador for not a long time, only a year, uh, a very good ambassador for Florida State University. He he's, um, seems unfailingly polite. Which I know that's not something you desperate, you absolutely need in a quarterback, but it's cool to have. Uh, he seems like a just a, a good, positive person. 
Um, and more importantly, for the sake of this show and for you guys' fandom, he's pretty good at football. Uh, but yeah, I, I I thought I heard every I, I thought he said all the right things at that press conference. Yeah, I'm honestly said the wrong things per se. I wonder. I I can't even really formulate and articulate it properly, which is a poor thing to do as a person that talks for mm. a living on a podcast. But just I agree. Man, I just really hope that there's there's something else inside him that he hasn't been able to tap into and show on the football field because. I have high hopes for this program continually again and for this upcoming season. And it just feels like what he was in Corvallis won't be enough. And that's not to say that he can't get better. We all get better, right? 1% better. That's that's the charge of you as a football player under Mike Norvell. Just it's kind of just some of the, the, the intonations of his voice just felt like a kid that like, he's almost taking a, a, a it almost felt like a sigh of relief. Like, like I'm legitimate again. Like I had to go to Oak. I had to go to Oregon state and like prove myself, and then this guy who's created this program again, he's built it back up. He's you know had all different kinds of quarterback, different skill sets. He's shown them to be successful. Like he believed in me. He picked me. I'm back. I'm at a big time Southern football program. I'm the man still. Like don't you guys for not in an arrogant way, but I think like he's he's almost trying to build himself back up. It felt like the way he just kind of talked about everything he's been through and just how much it meant to to get the offer from Florida State. Or maybe just the fact that Florida State's really awesome again. So um, that is proof that he is back. Well, I think what I would say to that, if you're like you, ha- you need him, you don't need him to be better than he was at Oregon State because theoretically, right? He's got better players around him now. He's a part of a better football team. Mm-hmm. He was good enough last year to lead a team to 11 or 12 wins, depending on the right team. I mean, it wasn't like he was, you know, he didn't play at Ohio State. I mean, they went eight and four in a pretty tough conference, a real tough conference, actually. The Pac-12, its last year, uh, was really good, um, and they, you know, they went eight and four. They were in some games that they lost. Um, I, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was pretty darn impressive on the football field, especially considering where, um, where he was the last time we saw him, which was, you know, essentially getting benched. Uh, his after playing twenty something game, thirty something games, I think at Clemson, he got benched for Cade Klubnik. So that's not a great way to to end your Clemson career. For him to bounce back the way he did at Oregon State and play like that, again, I think it speaks more to what's going on, especially the way Clemson's offense looked this year. Again, I think it's more like, okay, well, the offense as a whole was the issue. It wasn't DJ. And then I thought DJ played well enough at Oregon State that if you're like, okay, if he can just replicate that, if he could just be that guy, whatever it was, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions, seven rushing touchdowns, so 31 total touchdowns, only seven or eight turnovers, um, ran for 31 first downs. Man, that's that's that that that's going to lead this team to a lot of wins. You just can't have guys actively losing games. And I don't I don't foresee him being a game manager. It kind of sounds like that's what I'm talking about. Um, I, I foresee him being a dude that will take shots down the field. And he talked about that. Um, and he talked about the fact that he's not afraid of contact. Um, that's a big deal, man. This team sometimes is not great in short yardage. They do not have an overpowering offensive line. To have a quarterback that can keep it on third and three and get you four yards falling down because nobody can tackle him backwards because he's just an enormous human being, uh, that's, a, that's, a, uh, that, that's a big deal. Um, and, yeah, I just, I just think overall, I, I, w- I didn't take anything negative out of the way he talked. I thought he said the things he um, – that I, you know, I, he spoke glowingly about Florida State and about being in Tallahassee. But look, man, you know, I think what what shows his maturity a little bit, Aslan, and when, when you talk about, and he wasn't arrogant, and I know that's not what you were saying, but somebody that was arrogant wouldn't have waited around to see what Cam Ward did. They'd have been like, oh, you're, I, I've already visited. You're not going to offer me? I don't have the offer to come here? Okay, well, I'm bouncing then. Good luck. He waited it out because he really did want to get to Florida State. He knew what kind of situation this was for him. And so I think he does think highly of himself, which you want every athlete to think highly of himself. But he also has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He wasn't, clearly he wasn't Clemson's first choice. He got benched at Clemson. And then uh, Florida State, he wasn't even their first choice. We don't think. Um, And then what about Michigan State not taking him, Jonathan Smith didn't take him to East Lansing either, although I don't know, maybe DJ didn't want to Where would you want to – yeah, I was going to say, where would you want to play? Florida State or Michigan State? I don't don't think that had anything to do with – Jonathan Smith, I think, would have taken him in a heartbeat. Uh, They did well together. He helped Jonathan Smith get that job. 
so I definitely think he would have taken DJ if DJ had any interest living in Lansing, Michigan, East or West. Um, he didn't want he didn't want any part of Lansing, Michigan, which we we can understand. So uh, no, I think this was all about getting back to big time football at a, to a big time program, um, and he he earned it. You know, if he if he'd have looked at Oregon State like he looked at Clemson, yeah, he wouldn't be in Tallahassee. They'd have gone with somebody else. So he earned he earned this right. He earned this opportunity. And again, man, I'm I'm genuinely excited for whenever I guess next month when spring practice starts. I'm genuinely excited to see how the, all this works. I feel like Florida State did a lot of good things on offense. Do a lot of things that would highlight me as a quarterback. I feel like I push the ball down the field really well. I'm a big guy. I'm not scared of contact. Don't shy away from contact at all. Yeah. Um, Isn't that music to your ears? Yeah, I mean. Uh, and that kind of sounds like Jordan Travis shied away from contact. Obviously, he didn't. But Jordan Travis didn't keep the ball a lot. We, we've been over this. He ran for like 140 yards this past season. I think you will have a real running threat and not just around the goal line. Jordan would keep it around the goal line. Because it's tougher to score down there, and he would hold, he would take some hits to get in the end zone. I think this is a this is a guy that will take some hits at the forty two to get you a new set of downs. Um, and yeah, man, he could throw it as far as the state. He can throw it out over the mountains. He could throw it out of the stadium. He's got an unbelievable arm. So yeah, it just it's gonna be a, a different looking offense. He is a different kid. But I, I also liked. Um, you know, kind of the stuff he said about Norvell. I, I, and you know what? I, this is what I wanted to bring up. Tokars. Mm. He, he talked a lot about Tony Tokars, and I think that's a part of this equation that we don't maybe give enough credit to because, you know, Kenny Dillingham deserves credit, obviously, um, for well, for what he did with Bo Nix at Oregon in one year, but also for seeing what he saw in Jordan Travis and being like, no, no, you're a quarterback. Um, Norvell obviously had the final say, but they're like, no, you're a quarterback. You're going to be our quarterback. And I think, honestly, when 2021 started, Dillingham was a much bigger fan of Jordan Travis than Mike Norvell was. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but So Dillingham deserves credit. But let's be honest here, man. When did, when did Jordan Travis really take off? It was when Dillingham was in Eugene, Oregon. And Jordan Travis was here with Tony Tokars. And he had two great years with Tony Tokars. And the reason I bring this up is not to bag on Kenny – and not that he would care. He's a multimillionaire now, um, living his best life out in Arizona. But uh, but that DJ brought him up repeatedly about uh, what he meant and how excited he was to work with him. And all the quarterbacks we've talked to routinely bring up tow cars. And I think people think this is like a Jimbo situation where Jimbo, you know, he had quarterback coaches, but Jimbo was the quarterback coach. Jimbo was the O.C., Norvell is calling plays, but Norvell is not the quarterback coach. He helps with quarterbacks, I'm sure, but Tony Tokars is the legitimate quarterback coach. And when you see what he did with Jordan Travis and you hear the way these other quarterbacks talk about him and spending time with him, he might be a little bit of the secret sauce to what went on with Jordan Travis the last two years and maybe why DJ can be even better than he was in uh, Corvallis. Yeah, you know, when we're at practice, when they're doing seven on – when they're doing like 11 on 11 – Norvell's usually in the defensive backfield, you know, like he's usually kind of next to Adam Fuller. Meanwhile, like Tony Tokars is behind the line of scrimmage, looking at things, seeing it from the perspective of the quarterback and then talking to them when they get done running their reps and their sets with the 11 on 11. So that's a, that's a very good, fair point. You know, I, I guess we're just come, I just wonder like when he says, I see a lot of things that Florida state does that, you know, will that I can do also well, I just, I just feel like, man, Jordan was so – not only Jordan's skill set was unique, but that was just such a unique circumstance for that – the fact that he'd been around this program for so long. Like he, he lost his confidence, he regained his confidence, lost it again, and then ended up being back on top of the entire sport practically. And then he knew the the offense inside and out, man. Like I just DJ's not going to have that luxury. I mean, whatever – physical attribute he has that's superior to Jordan, whether it's being more physical, like being able to take more, absorb more contact or or push the ball down the field more. Like I would trade that away in a heartbeat to have a guy who knows how this offense needs to operate at maximum, maximum efficiency, peak efficiency. You can't have that. And I get it. That's, I just, I wonder what he is. He saw from the Jordan, the Jordan Travis offense. He's like, yeah, man, that's, 
that's my wheelhouse. I guess maybe a lot of it's just probably what Mike Norvell told him, just how confident Norvell is that he can figure a way out to have DJ be that successful as well. Because and when, when the live bullets start coming and, and they're down in one of these games at some point, just like Jordan had that confidence that you that he just, everybody else around him knew that things were going to be covered and taken care of. But I guess at the same token, DJ's been through so much that he's not going to get rattled, right, Corey? Like, he won't get rattled, and he does have Tony Tokars in his corner. He does have Mike Norvell in his corner. So when it is third and eight, and they need to get a, you know, it's four down territory, like, he'll know exactly what the expectations are, and he's got the kind of playmakers around him that, you know, he'll be able to be successful and, and, and keep this thing rolling at the, of what we've grown accustomed to under Jordan. Well, and man, you if this offense is running the way Norvell wants it to run, this isn't a f- throw it 40 times a game offense anyway. You need to be good in play action. You need to establish a running game. And I just feel like if, if Norvell's if Norvell's got this offense clicking in all cylinders, most importantly, if the offensive line is better and you can actually establish a running game like you did in 2022, there's a lot of times as long as he sees guys that are open because they will be open, you're not having to fit it in really tight windows. And I get what you're saying. you got to see the offense better. Or you, you've got to see it. You've got to know the offense. But, man, I think this guy, I think Oregon State runs similar type type stuff to Florida State. Um, and I, I just think that when you played as much football as he has, he's not going to be surprised or overwhelmed. I don't I don't think – and I, th- I trust Norvell and I trust Tokars to have a guy that's a bright kid that's already played four years of college football, started four years of college football, ready to where he's not seeing ghosts in his fifth year, even if it's in a new system. There might be some growing pains and a, a, a bit of a learning curve, but, I mean, I, that's their job is to make him comfortable. Yeah. And I think they'll do a good job of making them comfortable. Look, man, when Jordan Travis wasn't even that good a quarterback, he would have games where he was 10 of 12, but for 200 yards, and they ran the ball a ton. Like, And I, don't, I think DJ's – let me put it this way. I think DJ in 2024 will be better than Jordan Travis was in 21. In the Jordan Travis in 2021, that offense was still pretty good for a lot of that season. Um, so I, you know, I in that offense, he didn't have a lot of weapons, and he didn't have a great offensive line. I, I just foresee that uh, I don't, I don't, I was, I was more confident after listening to DJ. It sounds like you were the opposite, but I, I was more confident after listening to DJ that he's the guy that can lead this team for a year and be a bridge to either Luke or Brock. Yeah, it can be a bridge. I wonder just how tall that bridge is. Is it going to be? Uh... Is he like the Courtney Campbell Causeway, or will it be like mm. the you know, the Skyway Bridge, right, you know? or the Golden Gate Bridge, or the Golden Gate Bridge? You know, I guess also what I also probably need to really give a lot of credence to is the fact that, as you mentioned, him just starting so many years, like so much of Jordan's comfortability, obviously, was knowing what this offense is all about. But it just he seemed like he never got confused, like. When he would look at defenses, and again, that's a lot on Jordan, but that's probably also a lot on on Mike and Alex and Tony in film studies showing him, like, these are the looks we're going to get, and this is where we're going to go when we get this look. When they have the single high safety, this is what we want to do. When they're going to go, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, DJ has seen a lot of looks. Like, they're, they're, they're really, theoretically, shouldn't be anything that's going to confuse and slip him up. And if he's got this same level of preparation from the coaching staff around him that, that Jordan had, that there should be a, a comparable level of, of production. So I'm, I'm coming around. I'm coming around to it. Um, 12-team playoff, we're there. 16-team mm. playoff, for sure, for sure. 12-team mm. playoff, probably. Probably we're good Just there. be, a, hey, be in the conversation. Yeah. Have that Florida game mean something. Mm. Absolutely. Have you? Did you see anything about this? I saw the headline. I didn't read the story because I was on the, the ride down. But I guess uh, Chris Del Conte, who's the AD at Texas, said that they're, the SEC, I think, by 26 is going to go to a nine-game intra-conference schedule, so they'll, they'll play nine conference games. And I think they're talking about wanting to angle towards 16 teams. And I don't even know how that was. I mean, I, I probably should have. Did you see this story at all, or did you still only see the headline like I did? I mean, I, yeah, I didn't I didn't read it, but I, I saw that he wants to, they're going to probably go to nine games in, in 25, right? Yeah, and then you know, I wonder if 16 teams, are we, are we going to lose conference affiliation and then – by that time, they keep playing each other all the time. It's like, well, you know, if we deserve a rematch and there's 16 teams in this playoff, let's do it. But uh, on the football front, though, uh, we won't talk about Herbie apparently giving an interview to AL.com and uh, talking about the dark side 
of uh, fan bases. We won't, we won't get mm. into that one. Good. You folks can find it out if you'd like to. Uh, have you seen the photos of the of Doe Campbell Stadium, Corey? I mean, we're not, we don't have to talk about this all that long, but it's crazy to see the progress they've made on the demolition on the west side and how much it... it <laughs> this thing really truly is kind of the erector set still at its core. Mm. And they, they prettied the hell out of this thing with the, the beautiful brick... Uh, I don't want to call it facade because there's actual buildings. There's the School of Motion picture. There's every single, like the registrar, all sorts of important stuff. School of Hospitality. So like Doak Campbell Stadium is an absolute marvel. Uh, but to see like the renderings of what Doak's going to look like, unless I was, I, I don't like the idea of people losing their seats for that they've had for generations. But I kind of like the idea of it being a really hard ticket to get a, a, a seat in Doak Campbell Stadium for a football game. I like the fact that they're going to drop the, capacity down and I, the rendering listen if you want to sit directly behind the team and not be able to see the field and spend a premium cool um but i don't know just seeing this ha- actually starting to happen um is pretty thrilling man and and the fact that you know you, you see the old stands that probably your dad sat on at some point like it's still kind of at its core uh, this, despite the fact that it's such a huge big business there's still like that uh, the echoes of the past still remain yeah, I saw that on something called EarthCam, which I don't even know what that is. But when we were doing headlines on Tuesday, uh, either Ben or Matt popped it up on the screen while we were in a commercial break. And it's like, wow, they are getting after that thing. That is crazy. And, yeah, it did kind of remind me of when I was a kid. Like, oh, yeah, there it is. There's that old butte. There she is under all the uh, – take all the makeup off the pig. And that makes it sound like the Erector set was a pig, and it wasn't. So that's a horrible analogy. But you guys know what I mean. Um, that was, yeah, that was really cool to see. I don't like the thought of 50,000 capacity or thereabouts the year that you host Florida and Clemson. Is it, that's big, what it's going to be. I'm a big this fan year, of that. Huh? I, I mean, it's got to be. I think, yeah. I think that's what Ira said. It'll be somewhere in the 50s, is what they're uh, guesstimating. And that's, uh, yeah, man, that's a bit of a bummer. But, uh, but those yeah. temporary bleachers are going to make a lot of noise when you're stomping on them. Dang right, man. It's going to be like the, a high school quarterfinal game. Man. Jump on those bleachers, man. Bang them. There should be a chain link fence in front of them. Like the old school days, man. Really rattle that thing. Um, yeah, so that'll be. A, it's going to be really interesting to see what that thing looks like uh, for uh, – who's their first game? Boston College? Yeah. Bill yeah, O'Brien right? and the Eagles. That, that's right. That's right. Bill O'Brien and Thomas Castellanos. Rolling into Doak on a Monday night or a Sunday night. Monday night. Monday night. Monday night. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that'll be, fun. That'll be exciting. Vimeenergy.com, promo code WARCHAMPBOGO. Use it. Buy one item, get one of equal or lesser value for absolutely free. That's awesome, right? Who would do that? Florida State alums. That's who would do it. Those are the folks behind Vitamin Energy hooking you folks up on the podcast with the buy one, get one free promo code. 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine. And then vitamins and nutrients. So you get a little bit of vitamins and nutrients. You get a little bit of energy. You get vitamin energy. You can get the Mood Plus. You can get the Focus Plus, the Workout Plus. You get them all in a variety pack. And you can buy another item that's got 12 bottles in it for absolutely free. The world's first and only clinically proven, clinically tested energy shot to improve your focus, your mood, your energy levels, reduce brain fog. These are real things that we all encounter with all the stuff that we're doing these days out there in the world. Make things a little bit easier on yourself. Vitamin Energy. VitaminEnergy.com. Promo code Corey. Warchamp Bogo. That's right. Warchamp B-O-G-O. VitaminEnergy.com. Shake it and take it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Should we talk about hoops at all, Corey? Or will it be data by the time we talk? I mean, it's obviously the, the Virginia Tech game is well in the rear view. Uh, mm. But with whatever's cooking this weekend. No, not really. I, I would say it, the baseball starts uh, today. It uh, does? Yeah, it's they good. got Butler, the season opener against Butler, three-game set. Um, gonna have all a couple... Garnets on Friday, by the way, Yeah, Corey, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, hopefully they'll go back to like the banana golds from uh, the, like the JD Drew years. Mm. I thought those were awesome. Uh, they were, it's almost mustard yellow. Uh, but I would say, 
you know, look, the basketball conversation is going to be a much bigger one in about two weeks, in my opinion. Two or three weeks, we're going to have to have the real conversation about what is the future of this program, who is going to be running it, how long do you – you know, just because I don't – they got Duke on Saturday. Maybe they can pull off a stunning upset. I guess it wouldn't be stunning. Duke's not incredible, but maybe they can pull off the upset. But at the end of the day, it's still – you're looking at a team that's going to be probably finished in the neighborhood of 500 um, and coming off two bad seasons, including the worst season in school history, to then just get to 500. And unlike the last time – and I, I said we weren't going to talk about it, but here we go. The last time that Leonard went through a dip like this, and it was a big dip. It wasn't this big. It, it wasn't a nine-win dip like you had last year. But it was a bunch of – it was like four years in a row of missing the tournament. Um, came close maybe once or twice, but four years in a row of missing the tournament. Well, he had Jonathan Isaac in the pipeline. Like, he was a recruit coming in to Florida State. The, maybe the highest-rated recruit Leonard ever signed, one of them anyway. And if you would have fired Leonard then, well, then Jonathan Isaac goes somewhere else. So, And Jonathan Isaac was a very, very big part of a team that was a, I don't know, a four-seed in the NCAA tournament. So there was hope in the future because of the recruiting class. Well, this one doesn't have a Jonathan Isaac. And uh, so you just wonder, um, you know, look, man, I, you just wonder what, what they do, what they do at the end of the season. It's going to be a hard decision. I do not, I'm not advocating for anyone to lose their job. I didn't do it with meat. I'm not doing it with Leonard. I do acknowledge that there is a decision to be made. It's not an automatic because this program is very stagnant right now. And there are some things that I just, I don't like about what I see, man. Like, I just don't like that they're like 270th in the country in rebounding margin. Get stronger. Get better at rebounding. Like, they they don't – their leading rebounder is Jameer Watkins. They have three seven-footers, and their leading rebounder is Jameer Watkins. Um, They don't shoot well. They shot all right against Virginia Tech, although they made a couple threes late when the game was over. Uh, But they don't – they don't – obviously, they don't shoot free throws well. Um – and that's, I think that's more of a recruiting thing. Like, recruit better shooters. You're going to have better shooters. That's pretty simple. But I hate I hate the rebounding thing. They're not very good defensively. They're one of the worst teams in the conference at field goal percentage defense. And this is a program that used to lead the country in that stat. They're one of the worst in the, in the conference at field goal percentage defense. And they're one of the worst in the conference at rebounding. And I don't, you know, the, the theory is that you play a bunch of guys, they're always fresher. Well, they should be fresher getting to the ball. And they don't. They're just they don't they don't rebound well and it kills them. Uh, Virginia Tech you know missed 30 shots the other night they rebounded half of them almost. Well that's that's a luxury Florida State doesn't have. So anyway and that's been a problem for a while. Why would that be better next year? Are they bringing in Shaq? You know why, why Bill Walton? Why why would that be better next year? So there's things within the program structurally DNA wise that I'm not a huge fan of, but I also am a really big fan of Leonard Hamilton and he's shown he can do it before. Um, I don't know if a 500 season is worth or not worth making a move, but I don't. We're going to have to have the conversation. Sorry, that was a long-winded way of saying let's talk about baseball or softball. Mm. Yeah, man. Looking at their statistics, um, yeah, they're 27th in the country in turnovers forced. Uh, they're 30th in free throw attempts per game, 54th in free throws made per game. Yeah, they do. that's the one thing they do a really good job of, better than a lot of Florida State teams in the past, is attacking the basket and getting to the line. And they, they are good. They're not a bad offensive team. Like the last two games, I think they've shot over 50% from the floor. The defense lets them down. Yeah. Their scoring defense, 255th in the nation, allowing yeah. nearly 75 points per game. Now, some of that is pace of play because they do play fast, so you're going to give up more points. But, I mean, they also gave up 80 to Virginia. Yeah, 295th in rebound margin. That's gross. That's just gross, man. That's disgusting. Like, but they're only getting out rebounded by two and a half rebounds per game. So but that's, I mean, that's but that's you, there are some games where they get like there are some games they get out rebounded by 13. Right. right. Um, and then some games, you know, earlier in the season when they're just athletically superior to those teams they're playing, they're out rebounding them. But in conference play, they get out rebounded almost every game. And it's really hard to win like that consistently when you're constantly getting beat on the boards. And I, you know, they got they got height, but Baba Miller ain't strong. 
Cameron Corrin looks strong, but he doesn't get a ton of rebounds. Um, Ganey, I know Ganey's not healthy, but he would really help, but he doesn't get rebounds. Like, literally, Jameer Watkins basically leads them in everything, and he's been really good, and he was great the other night. But other than that, um, other guys really aren't kind of finding their role and becoming the players you would hope they'd be, at least, or at least they've hit a little lull here in February. I wonder if theoretically, Jameer, is he, could he leave? I mean, could he have upped his stock? I mean, I'm not talking about going to the NBA either. I'm talking about making it maybe a more um, appealing college player and then he because he can enter the portal. And I'm thinking, hey, man, what are you doing? Why are you trying to speak that into existence? Well, I'm not What's trying to speak into existence. I'm just saying these are the, this is the world that we live in. Right? He's a redshirt junior, so uh, take that for whatever it's worth. But maybe the fix is in from the home office. They're 342nd in the country in fouls per game, drawing nearly uh, 21 fouls a game. So maybe it's the ACC screwing them over too. So uh, Leonard not. Yeah, that out. well, no, they 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 have to learn to fa- they have to learn to guard without fouling. Now, you know, it is odd that I do think they get a tough whistle at times. Um, but you know, they're not all make believe foul calls. They they don't guard real well. Uh, they, there are games where they don't guard real well without fouling. So, um, you know, and teams do a better job. Teams do a good job of drawing fouls. Florida State does a good job of drawing fouls. That's why all their games last as long as football games, because each team is going to the line a hundred times. The problem is Florida State doesn't shoot well from there, so that that is that is a bit of an issue. But yeah, like you look at again, I, I brought this up. They lose Darren Green, and that's it from this team. If if every if, you know if everybody were to stay, and that's obviously not going to happen in this day and age, they only have one senior. But as I pointed out, he's the only senior that's a three-point threat. Um, and you, you've got to go find some shooters. Uh, but I, I think more importantly than that, you've got to go find some toughness in them. You've got to just go find some toughness on the glass. Um, they, they are long. They've always been long. He likes long and lean. But those guys get pushed out of the way a lot, and it can really hurt you. You know, Virginia Tech, I think, had a guy the other night that had 15 or 16 rebounds by himself. When do you ever remember a Florida State guy grabbing 16 boards? It just it doesn't. I mean, they don't play enough to get them, but they just don't. They they don't crash the boards or block out or go get board. Whatever that whatever that talent is that some teams seem to have, Florida State does not have that this year. That said, that sounds like I'm saying they don't play hard. They do. There there are just physical limitations. There just are. Jalen Worley plays as hard as he possibly can. He's six seven, guarding guys that are much quicker than him. But he tries. Watkins absolutely tries. Cora and Baba, they're trying in there. They're just, especially Baba, he's just not physically built enough to hang in in the ACC with guys that are banging him underneath. But the real question is, when will that happen? Like, get there, man. You've got a life to live. You're going to be a professional basketball player for maybe 15 years. Get stronger. Be a force underneath, and that's that. I haven't seen maybe that progression from him. But all, all that being said, I like Baba. I like his game. He's certainly not a superstar. He's not Kevin Durant, um, but he is a guy that can that can really help you on defense. He's just again they they struggle a little bit. He can't shoot free throws, and uh, nobody on the team really rebounds well other than Watkins. Do you like Lonnie Alameda? I love Lonnie. Okay. How do you you love Lonnie? You drove all the way to Clearwater to watch her team play. That's right. Uh, the and, Shriner. folks, I hope you were watching on the U or whatever channel it was on mm-hmm. as I was watching. Old Aslan was on – you were on screen a lot more than Lonnie. <laughs> Every oh. single pitch you were on screen because you were right behind home plate. That was good to see, man. Next time, bring a War Chant banner. You're home for Seminole Sports. <laughs> and just hold that up like a John 316 sign back in the day. Every time, Every single pitch, hold that up. Hey man, uh, there's three more games. I can I can try it because uh, the media seating is literally they've got these stickers on the bleachers behind home plate, and it's there's like three seats per per field, and each game's going on where they have media seating. So I have, that I sat where they had media. Like I I wasn't trying to inject myself into the story, but I'll I'll be behind it again on Friday and then Saturday. We'll see about Sunday. They played eight o'clock against Tennessee, so I don't I don't know. My, might want to get back on the road Sunday, but we'll see how it all works out. Um, but, yeah, Lonnie's awesome, clearly. Uh, her team, fantastic, number five in the country as they headed to Clearwater for the Shriners Children's Softball Invitational. They played number nine Stanford on Thursday. Corey shut them out. Uh, as we said in the beginning of the show, 
Uh, Nigeri Kennedy, who's the, the ace pitcher for Stanford. I think she led the country in strikeouts per seven innings heading into this game. Uh, you know, they, they got to her eventually. Uh, it took some time, but in the fifth inning, uh, it was a lot of errors. But, I mean, they made contact. Uh, Janai Kerr rocked her twice. Uh, Way Kaser, uh, double off of her. So, I mean, they they, they tagged her up a, a bit, and it was – Really encouraging to see because we'll see if the, the pitching, I guess, maybe that first weekend in Tallahassee got some fair or unfair criticism and Lonnie kind of even, uh, you know, kind of poked fun at it, felt like in the postgame after the the win against Stanford. But, I mean, if this offense can continue to be aggressive, which they've always been, uh, you just feel like the, the pitching will probably come along at some point because Lonnie and her staff figure it out all the time. So, um, yeah, to shut out Stanford, the number nine team in the country like that, just they're elite, and that's what happens when you're elite, man. You just you just keep rolling over great teams. Yeah. So the runs that were scored were uh, they scored three in the fifth inning. On the only hit they had the entire inning was a ball that literally traveled nine feet. <laughs> it was a pop up that landed between the catcher and the pitcher, and then bounced into foul territory after the catcher nicked it. Then the catcher had a pass ball. The third baseman had an error. The first baseman had an error. Um, Maybe the catcher had an error. Some crazy stuff happened. Like, the third baseman wasn't even looking yeah. for a steal of third. Correct. And that was thrown into left field. Yep. Um, the shortstop made a – or maybe it was the third baseman made a throw that – it wasn't terrible, but the first baseman should have caught it. Didn't on a Kaylee Mudge ground ball or a Kaylee Harding ground ball. I can't remember. They're all running together. But the point is, Stanford gave Florida State four runs in one sense. In the other sense, Florida State – gave it to themselves because Florida State, as you said, they Stanford has maybe the best pitcher in the country since uh, Jordy Ball, the one that the Oklahoma uh, pitcher that transferred to Nebraska, who was unbelievable last year, is out for the year. Uh, the 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 one that the the girl I, I hate saying girl the lady the woman that pitched for Stanford on uh, Thursday Kennedy. might be the best might be the best pitcher in the country. Yeah, and Florida State only struck out like four or five times. They put the bat on the ball. In a, against a defense that is good but has a lot of freshmen. And unlike Florida State's freshmen, they kind of buckled in the moment. Meanwhile, Florida State's freshmen seem to make every play. Um, Torres is the real deal at short. She made probably the game-saving play with that catch of a line drive yep. with the bases loaded. Um, she also made another uh, pretty important play on a ground ball with runners at second and third. Um, I mean, she made a she, – she just did a really – she's smooth, man. And, um, oh, what's – is it Beecham? yes. Oh, man, she might be the next thing as a hitter at Florida State. Like, she, again, she's a true freshman facing the best pitcher in the country. She had a, a, a rip line drive single and walked twice. And, like, was not overmatched at all, was was not overwhelmed at all, had great at-bats. Like, that was – she's got something. There's something really special there, perhaps. Um, and then I liked uh, what I saw from the freshman pitcher. They came in and, and the moment wasn't too big. So again, Ashton we're, we're, Danley, yeah, no, she, yeah, we're, um, that was big. Yeah, she. I mean, she, I guess she got the save. Royalty was really good, and I know I was lamenting their pitching. Well, that they shut me up because they just shut out a team that had scored 16 runs early in the day against uh, and hit six home runs against Georgia Tech. So yeah, there's some stuff going on there. They pitching and defense and base running. Uh, I think the offense will be better than it was on Thursday, but that you know, also they're not going to be facing the best pitcher in the country every. Every game, so uh, yeah, man, it's a that was a typical Florida State win. Don't make any mistakes and pounce on the mistakes of the opponents, and that's exactly what they did. Like I think there are only two hits the last two innings when they scored four runs, were that little bloop between the pitcher and the catcher, and then Devin Flaherty with a bunt. That was it. Yep. And they they scored four runs because they steal bases, they put pressure on defense, they hurry everybody up on the infield, and it pays off with theirs. And it was a big third inning for them too. I mean they. Stanford loaded the bases with no outs, and you're like, oh, gosh. Like, you know, Lonnie was going to let her work through it, but you didn't know yeah. whether Niles and Royalty was going to be able to work through it and navigate it cleanly, but she was able to. So, like, the a little bit of everything I imagine Lonnie wanted to experience just in this entire weekend down here, like high leverage situations, really yeah. being tested, facing adversity. Like, it was all in the first game against that team with that pitcher going, and they shut him out, and they won 4-0. to zero. So... Um, I was trying to pull. Has McKenna Reed thrown it all this year? She has, but uh, you know, I, maybe that could be our next show. Is when you, the next time you talk to Lonnie, maybe ask about that, either on the record or off the record, because yeah. she has pitched 
but she hasn't looked. She didn't. I don't think she looked great. And she was. I think she was getting ready to warm up. They showed her on TV on Thursday, but she obviously didn't pitch. Um, I wonder if there's something bothering her. If there's an injury or something. Um, but it's definitely worth asking because I thought she was going to be the star, the ace. So did I. Yeah, she's and, she's been in three games this year um, and thrown seven innings. So. And what's her ERA? Four. Yeah, that's not. I mean, I and yeah. so I, obviously, I think something might be up where she's coming back from something. We don't know, but. You know, that's that's kind of one of the reasons I was so much so worried about the pitching, is because she's supposed to be the stud. She was awesome last year as a freshman. I think she's a freshman All American. Yep. Um, and she hasn't, you know, again, it's only six games, but she hasn't really impacted a game yet. Um, and so you you got if she gets into form and looks like how she's supposed to look uh, with royalty and now with the freshman who I mean I can't even imagine the confidence that Thursday gave her because she hadn't been uh, incredible in her first few outings, and then Danley comes in and, uh, you know, pitches two scoreless with the game still very much in the lo- on line and, uh, you know, had to pitch around a bad defensive play in left field where I thought Beverly, I think that's her name, Autumn, uh, Beverly or Beverly, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It was a foul ball that she frankly should have caught. It, it She barely got a glove on it as she was falling forward. It was a foul ball, but she should have caught it, and then, you know, she she ended up walking that, that, that hitter. You know, her, so even pitching around that, she got the outs that she needed. She threw strikes when she needed. Um, and I just think that's that's something that she got, I think, three strikeouts in two innings against that offense. Mm. I think that can really bolster her confidence moving forward. We'll go with Bellevue. Okay, Bellevue. There we go. We'll go Perfect. Bellevue there. So, uh, yeah, again, by the time we catch up with you folks again, they'll have played UCLA. When's like that game? Georgia. Today? Uh, one o'clock on Friday. Yeah. Okay, and then Georgia's a morning game, right? 11 a.m., I think, yeah. And here's the thing. I think Florida State plays at 8 on Sunday night. Correct, but I, they do. But it's, it's the second game of the night. So, unless oh. they're playing on two different fields, which I know they have two fields there, you might want to check into that. Yeah. Like, if there's a chance that thing starts at 9, Aslan, you've done your part. <laughs> uh, that's, that's just me talking. I'm not the editor. That's yeah. just me talking, but I'd be like, man, you've done your part. Because the main mainly being like, or when are we going to record the podcast? Yeah. If you're not if you're not done with the softball game until midnight. Yeah, I think for TV purposes, ESPN's probably happy that Cat Sander Cock is gone because now like Florida State is they don't have that cyborg uh, like mm. they're they're human now. Uh, so these games are a little bit more they're not great for a Florida State fan. It was good, awesome to see her because you're like, all right, they're not going to let any runs across. Um, but I really miss her because she was so great. And also, the games went about. I feel like the games went by a little faster when Cat was in the circle. You know? Hey, man, I like that pitch clock. Yeah. I like the twenty-second pitch clock. Let's keep that up. Hey, and before we go, since we're on the topic of women's sports, well, hey, we got some sh- baseball to talk about too. We're not leaving yet. Oh, okay. Um, uh, shout out to my namesake, uh, Caitlin Clark. Yeah, congrats uh, to your niece, man. Broke the record uh, and, all, and went on to score forty-nine points in the game, uh, and with thirteen assists. Uh, because she, why not? Uh, just, in, I don't even know what to say. I've never quite seen anything like that. Um, so was Kelsey Plum is the record she broke? Yes, correct. Yeah. Do we know who, who's the male? Who's at the male record? Do we know? Maravich. Maravich. Still. He's, yeah, he's next. And, yeah, man, he averaged like 44 a game. Was there even three a three-point line in his day? Nope. Nope. But you know what Amazing. my man also, you know what my man also averaged per game? 39 shots. <laughs> no, really? 39 shots a game. It helped that his dad was the coach. Yeah. Can you imagine being the LSU two guard on that team? <laughs> like, Pete, man, I'm open. Pete, Pete, Pete. Woo, woo. You know, <laughs> making that noise where you're cutting to the basket. <laughs> no, it's going up. If you want the ball, go get a rebound or go get a steal. Cause, and, you know, he'd, he'd have a seat. He'd have like six or seven assists. Well, he had to. Just blow up averages. Anytime he passed the ball, somebody would have to shoot it. But, yeah, he averaged – it's either 37 or 39 shots a game, which is just – I can't even imagine what that looked like. Imagine averaging 44 points a game without a three-point line. How many times you must shoot. How often anybody else on the team gets the ball. And that's the cool thing about Caitlin Clark is that, you know, she also leads the country in assists. Um, she's not shooting it 39 times. Huh. Uh, so, yeah, anyway. Is she from Iowa? Why is she in Iowa? Yeah, I think she's from Des Moines. All right, shout out. So she's right right in the heartland, right there. She's right there. That's why. That's as lucky as you can possibly get. All right. Did want to talk oh, about Oh, shout out. Hey, and the FSU women's basketball team picked up a uh, much-needed win on the road against Wake Forest on Thursday night. 
Okay, good, good. Yeah, somebody yep. was mad the other day. Like, you spent 12 minutes talking about men's basketball when the women's team's better. So, there well, you go, buddy. Yeah. But they uh, but they did. That was a good win. It's a nice win. Keeps them on the uh, right side of the bubble, if they're even on the bubble. Um, they're on the right side of it, so good for them. I hate nothing more than being a hypocrite. Try to be a consistent person. Uh, but I, I fall short of the glory. I, too, err. Really excited about baseball because it's a whole new team. I mean, it's practically a whole new team. Mm-hmm. And like that's cool. Like, it's also cool to bring everybody back and like, oh, we're going to build around this guy and we got this person coming back and we know what we have. But sometimes, especially when you're coming off the kind of season that Florida State had last year, it's like, no, I just, I want to, I want everything to be blown up. I want to start from scratch. And it seems like Link has done that. I think he said 26 guys that he's, quote, onboarded. Very corporate jargon. Shout out, mm, Link. Yeah. Um, 26 guys. Uh, Friday night starter. Tonight starter against Butler. 5 o'clock game at Hauser. Make it out, everybody. There's going to be Cam Leiter, a transfer from UCF. Um, is it Lodice? Is that how he pronounce his name? The kid from UNF, I think. Alex Lodice? Maybe, maybe Lodice. Lodice. Okay. We'll go Lodice. I think that's that. Okay. Uh, he's going to be part of the mix. Daniel Cantu is what Link described as a stabilizing force for them at first base. Right. They've got plenty of options at catcher and up the middle in their infield. Uh, Marco Dinges is a guy that's actually from my high school, East Lake High School. Stand up. Fly Eagles fly. Uh, best line of the day when we spoke to Link on Wednesday said, lightning bat speed, there's strength there, there's damage intent when he's at the plate. Okay, that's always good to hear. So he says it's a very fun right-handed at-bat to watch. So uh, he says he likes the balance and physicality of the lineup. He's got lefties guys. He's got left-handed looks, right-handed looks, and switch hitters. The two things he's concerned about are his younger arms, kind of getting acclimated to, to playing live games in front of you know the, the Hauser crowd and wherever else they'll have to play this year, which I think is it's mainly bullpen. He feels good. You know, lighter, Jamie Arnold, Connor Whitaker, those are your starters for this opening weekend. We'll see how that long that lasts, but... Sounds about right. Um, but they have so many options coming out of the bullpen. He didn't really give us a lot of idea of how that's all going to work, but that is probably a concern that he has. And he also talked about defensive cleanliness and instincts. Mm. Uh, but he also admitted that he's a little bit uh, hypercritical when it comes to that. So um, t- factoring all that into play, uh, where, where's your excitement level going to opening day, Corey? Uh, like a B minus. Um, I just remember the last three years have just been so tough to watch. Um, I do like that they have a lot of new players. A new faces. Um, I hope they have more bat to ball, put the ball in play more. They do have three really good guys in the middle of the lineup that we know for sure. Plus, I am excited about some of these transfers. Um, and the pitching has to be better. And maybe Lighter is a legitimate ace. I just, you know, I think Whitaker's the Sunday guy, right? Correct. Um, yeah. yeah, so you, you know what you got in him for the most part. Um, it'll also be good for him to know his role right away out of the gate this season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I'm not expecting Omaha. I'm expecting an NCAA tournament bid, but, like, as a two or a three. That's where my expectations are for this year. Um, That's where they kind of need to be, honestly. Like, this isn't 1995 where you, if you have a coaching change, you just kind of have to build the program from scratch, and it's going to take – you're going to take some lumps for two or three years. With the portal, man, at Florida State, with the portal – you should be back to relevance pretty soon um, if you're good at talent acquisition and you're good at evaluating. Um, and I, you know, so I, with 26 new guys, you know, a lot of those are freshmen. You don't expect them, those guys to come in and be awesome uh, right away, but they can be contributors. Um, and then, you know, when you got the portal, you know, these guys have played a lot of college baseball. There's no excuse to be like, they're not young, young. You know, the freshmen obviously are, but they got 44 players on the team, Aslan. 44. It's a remarkable. It's like a football team with the amount of bodies they have now. Give me nine that can play and give me eight to ten that can really pitch. And you got a chance to do some things. But last year they were so bad defensively. Uh, I think they were la- they were second or they were last or second to last in ERA. They were last or second to last in defensive fielding percentage. And they were like last or second to last in run score. Like there was nothing they did well. So let's let's get a couple like let's get a couple things they do well, like just be middle of the road in all those things, and you're probably gonna have a decent season. Be great at one of those things, and you are gonna have a good season. So let's hope that can happen. Feels like offense might be the clubhouse leader on potentially being great from the sounds of it. 
So we'll see how it goes. We'll keep our fingers crossed. On the way out, mybookie.ag, promo code's WARCHANT. Use that for an instant cash deposit bonus. NBA All-Star Weekend, Corey. Mm. Steph Curry versus Sabrina. An- I- 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 it's what? fine. We know who you're talking Anescu? about. Anescu? Sure. Sab- Sabrina Anescu. Right. Yeah. It should be against Caitlin Clark, honestly. Steph is minus 260. I probably will not be rooting for anything as hard as I will be for a Steph Curry win. Mm. Steph, don't let me down, man. Okay. Don't let us down. And I'm not saying me and Corey. I'm just saying. they're not. By the way, they're not playing one-on-one. They're, it's a three-point shootout. Steph, baby, come on, man. One time, one time, pick up the pieces from Billy Riggs. Pick them up. Um, Slam dunk contest, Corey. Are these real people or am I making the names up? Oh, never mind. That is a real guy. Jaime Jaquez. Jaime Jaquez in the slam dunk contest. He's plus 675. Jalen Brown, plus 425. Jacob Toppin, plus 650. Is that Obi Toppin? Is his name Jacob? Yeah, man. No, it's Obi Toppin's brother. They don't even have the good Toppin. And Toppin's <laughs> not even good. Uh, Dominique and- Wilkins and Michael Jordan are rolling over in their graves. And they're not dead, either one of them. That's how ba- the slam dunk contest is dead. It has been dead forever. Aaron Gordon and uh, who was my Zach man? Zach Levine, Aaron- I think. Oh, they brought it back to life for that one year. It was unbelievable. That might have been the best dunk contest ever. But no, none of the good players ever want to do it. So you're left with Ob Toppin's brother, and like, is Mac McClung doing he it? He is. Mac McClung's the odds-on favorite at 190, minus 190. He's a white kid with some bounce, <laughs> but that, he's a novelty act, like Cirque du Soleil. But he's also not even in the NBA, I don't think. Yeah, I don't he's think he's a so. G League kid, yeah, man. I mean, yeah. it's just that's how bad this thing's gotten. A uh, three-point contest. Dame Lillard, the odds-on favorite at plus 500. You know who's got the second shortest odds? Malik, Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley. There you go, Malik. Win that thing. Let's go, Bees. Yeah, he's had a nice year. He's had a really good year, actually. Yeah, so those are your uh, those are your weekend plays on the uh, All-Star Weekend, which I don't even know where it's at. I think it's is it in Salt Lake City this year? Who knows? Who no, knows? it's in, in Indianapolis. I did know okay. that. There we Indy, go. Yeah. Promo requires $50 minimum deposit and rollover requirement of one-time deposit total, including bonus withdrawal for full terms and conditions. Visit mybookie.ag slash about-us. All right, that's a wrap for us, everybody. Thanks for listening. Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock. Uh, we'll be back, I think, with a Monday podcast. Uh, maybe I'll be in Tallahassee. Maybe I'll also be in Clearwater hanging out at my mom's house. Lots of softball going on. We'll have full reaction from Coach Alameda after what we hope are wins on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Check out warchant.com for everything else under the sun that deals with Florida State. For Corey, I'm Aslan. Thank you for watching, or listening, rather, to Wake Up Warchant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.